0: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the first Sunday of Lent. We're so glad that you are here with us and, and taking part in this service as we pray together, as we learn together, as we grow together, and we're going to get to hear from my friend, our friend Teshna Thomas today, so we're excited about that. And um, there's going to be lots of great things going on, uh, which we'll uh, explain in more detail later. Um, but just know that we're, there's going to be stations in the back that are for are for Lent. They were uh, going to be part of our Ash Wednesday service, but we know we, we uh, had some uh, ice that kind of changed those plans. But, um, so Stacy and Hannah and Pastor Claire Pastor Scott will explain that to us. But to our friends that are uh, are are at home or in their car or wherever they are, maybe they're in a hotel room because. Other uh, power is still out. We say welcome, and we're so grateful uh, that you decided to spend a little bit of time in this service with us today. Uh, we'll be receiving community together as we do most weeks as well, so make sure that you get that prepared. Um, and know that um, the things that we talk about as far as the stations go, uh, you can go back to the Facebook page or even go online, ccmonline.org, and find uh, the PDF documents for that so that you can follow along uh, today or any time this week. So we say welcome to you. Call the worship scriptures from Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is convent, covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you at a time of distress. The rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance.
1: Choice to go into the darkness, which is nice. Um, but this next six weeks, we prepare for Easter and we prepare to see new life. And how good is it that when we go into the darkness, we go, we know God is with us, and we know that new life follows. And we are so excited to journey together through this season of Lent. And we have a bunch of ways to do that together. Um, traditionally, um, throughout the history of the church, it's often been a season where people are baptized on join the church on Easter, and not only do those people fast and prepare for that life-changing decision, but the whole church community does that together to prepare for these new people to join them, and so there's history to doing this both individually and together. Lent is a time of fasting, of prayer, and almsgiving, and so we have a few ways that we want to journey together. The first is you received a booklet when you walked in that has a post-it note on it, which we'll get to later. <laughs> um, but this is a devotional guide that has a devotion for each week of Lent. And we're going to do this together as a community, if you're willing, to journey through this time together. But we also have stations in the back um, that we plan to do at our Ash Wednesday service that now we get to all do together today, um, that have ways that maybe if God is speaking to you individually, that this is something he wants to lead you into in Um, So we have a bunch of different options. At the first table where Miss Stacy is, um, we have a place where you can make a prayer dice. Um, This is specifically for families. Um, A dice has six sides, just like the weeks of Lent. And you can either roll it once a week and pray for something all week, or you can roll it every day um, and pray for something different at your meal. We also have other ways um, to pray together, one being the post-it note on your devotion. Um, we're going to do prayers of the people by, once again, all of us bringing our prayers um, up to this gold stand together. Um, so when we release you to do the stations, you can bring your prayers up, and that can be a way to kick off this Lenten season for you. The middle table is about almsgiving, and alms is something that's I'm less familiar with, um, but Lindsay Marks wrote a beautiful introduction with prompts on ways that you can give alms this season and we have jars to collect loose change with your household during Lent um, because g- almsgiving is about generosity and specifically generosity to people in need. Um, so it can prompt us to do that this season. And then the last table is on fasting. We have a kids activity over there to learn about fasting but we also have a place to sign up um, for a day of the week to fast. Some people fast all 40 days of Lent um, but sometimes we want to intensely fast one thing one day a week. Um, My name's on there if you want to join me on Mondays, you can, but the reason we sign up is so that we can, in community, know who else is also doing this with me, um, being accountable to one another. So there's a lot of stuff back there, and we're going to enter into a time of worship where you can go light a candle, you can bring your prayers up for prayers of the people, you can put your prayer on the prayer wall, um, or you can go grab resources, or you can journal in your new devotional guide. Um, whatever the Lord is prompting you to do, we pray that you would feel the heart of worship with God today and as we enter the Lenten season. So as we go back into worship, you're released families, if you could start with Miss Stacy, that's probably the easiest way to do that. And everybody else, go as the Lord leads.
2: Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on of the temple, saying to him, if you're the son of God, then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands will bear you up, so that you will not bash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me and Jesus said to him away with you Satan for it is written worship the Lord your God and serve only him then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on
3: is God's word for us as we enter into these 40 days of prayer and fasting. into these 40 days of prayer knowing that we're the beloved and may we emerge on Resurrection Sunday with the reality of our belovedness acting justly loving mercy and walking humbly Our hearts are an open space, God. Show us the ways that keep us from our belovedness. Sins and ways we've marred the image of God in our lives. Ways we've not relied on you, Jesus. heart is an open space to see with eyes of love the ways that we have gotten in our own way and cease to follow you thank you for the gift of conviction to say oh God forgive me heal me and lead me in the way of love just say, God, forgive me. In whatever way, the Holy Spirit's inviting you to ask for forgiveness today. Forgive me. My heart's an open space. I don't have to be in shame. the table with bread and wine. On the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat, remember, broken for our brokenness, is Jesus. Together we take the bread of healing. supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and lifted it up and said, this is the cup of the new covenant written in my own blood for the forgiveness of sins for you and for all people. And every time you drink, remember. Together, friends, let's take the cup. The cup for our healing. you that in this open space that there is beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for sorrow and a garment of praise for our mourning.
0: Amen. And we give into this offering with grateful hearts knowing that you are doing amazing things to the people Church, and we pray that you would multiply it and use it for your great work here and throughout the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we all said, Amen.
4: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, We are so glad to have you with us this morning, and uh, if you're new today, we would love the opportunity to connect with you. Um, If it's your first time, come on over to the Next Steps After Service, and we would love to give you a free gift. and. Maybe chat with you if you have any questions for us here at Crossroads. If you're online joining us for the first time, you can go to our website, ccmonline.org, and hit the I'm New tab, and in there we'll direct you if you'd like to get connected in any way with our newsletter, with things that are happening here at Crossroads. You can scan this QR code if you'd like. Um, Also, just wanted to tell you about a few things happening here at Crossroads. We have, um, this is the last week to sign up for SAS volunteer recruitment. So if that is something that God has put on your heart regarding being an advocate for those that are, um, for those that are uh, survivors. We would love to give you information on that. I have flyers at the Next Steps, or you can find information on our website. And then also we have our men's breakfast coming up. So on March 11th from 9 to 10.30, um, the guys meet up in the cafe and have breakfast and and, uh, conversation. So food and conversation for the guys. If you're interested in signing up for that, come on over to Next Steps. We can get you signed up, or just go to our website and hit the Connect tab, and we can connect you there. Um, And then also, hopefully you got your Lent devotional guide this morning. If you did not get one, come on over to Next Steps after service, and we'll make sure that you get one if you'd like to follow through with us um, through the 40 days of Lent. And then also we have um, uh, Facebook Live Prayer on Tuesday, right? Tuesday from 1130 to 12. So if you have a little bit of time during your lunch hour or you can get away, Uh, Get on Facebook and join us, 1130 to 12. We'd love to pray with you on Tuesday. So that's what's happening here at Crossroads.
5: All right. Good morning. Good morning. 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 morning, Worship was wonderful, wasn't it? All right. (laughs) All right. So we are going to dive in to Micah six one through eight. Um, and this is pretty much a foundational scripture throughout our our Lent. So, um, actually, you want to stand with me? We'll read verses one through eight together. All right. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains. The Lord I got to turn this way. <laughs> uh, Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses and to these you. Also, Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim, the Gilgit, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's read that again. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. You can be seated. So, going through those, reading through that scriptures, we have verses one through five. Really, it talks about the case um, against Israel with the Lord. This is actually a conversation going on. So, we got verses one through five, um, where there's a case against Israel. Then you have verses six through seven, which is Israel's response, and that gets into um, the questions beginning with, "With what shall I come to you, Lord?" So really right here, Israel's focus is on their external religious rights. And their questions show a progression from lesser to greater. You got first that they're asking God if he would be satisfied with burnt offerings of year old calves, which was required back with the law of Moses. Second, they asked if they should bring thousands of rams. So you hear the progression going with ten thousands of rivers of oil. Such an offering um, then would be somebody extremely wealthy uh, when you talk about thousands of rams. And then thirdly, um, they ask whether they should offer their firstborn. Now, that really gets to the extreme. um, Sons as a sacrifice for God. Would that be enough to cover their sins? Would God be pleased with them? So really what it gets down to is um, God follows with an answer in verse 8. And that is, he has told you, oh man, what is good? In other words, Israel should already have known the answer to their questions. God then says that he did not need or desire their religious rites, sacrifices, or ablations. Instead, the Lord sought Israel's justice, mercy, and humility. So the answer to Israel's sin problem was not more numerous or more painful sacrifices the answer was something much deeper than any religious observance. They needed a change of heart. So that's, that's where it was at. So let's get a little bit more into required of us. So we are to act justly, do things with a sense of right and wrong, love mercy, embrace loving kindness in our heart, and then walk humbly upholding justice and mercy in a humble way we humbly ask the lord to help us because we need his help we really need his help to empower us to lead us to equip us Um, it would never be easy never easy especially on the road to reconciliation but it is the road that god calls us to therefore micah 6 8 is a call to listen to god so what is justice justice is a concept of moral rightness based on ethics Um, it's not punitive so typically when you think about justice we think about punishment don't we think that justice oh they gotta be punished Um, if it was up to us justice would be simple punishment someone breaks a moral law they should be punished with jail or death that's kind of where our thinking goes but ultimately it's not punitive and thank god that is not punitive um if it were he would never have sent jesus i mean he did he sent jesus for us it's not punitive there are consequences for sin and our decisions but punishment isn't his goal his goal is reconciliation his purpose is redemption Uh, One thing justice does, it can make us angry. So we hear about all of these bad things going on in the world, whether there's, you know, racism. I mean, we've got, you know, um, young girls being kidnapped, all of that kind of stuff that really makes us angry, don't it? It's like, why is that happening? And sometimes people get away with that. So then it's like, oh, wow, what is going on here? So why does it upset us? Because really, this is not normal. This is not the way God designed life to be. Death, sickness, oppression, racism, violence, corruption, perversion, sin. That's not how God designed this. It is not what God intended. Every personal and collective sin can be simplified to an abuse or perversion of how God designed life to work for our good and the good of others. And then the other thing about justice, it is a command of God. So every command of God is to maintain a right relationship with him and others, according to we got Matthew versus oh, actually Matthew um, 22, where God's justice, therefore, is his plan and promise to reconcile all things to the way they were intended to be, if not better than ever. That is God's standard, the heavenly reality. And he will correct all creation back to his best. Even creation longs for it. All that is wrong, he will make right. Um, As I mentioned, God's justice isn't about punishment. It's about fairness. Learning to do justice is about learning to see the world with God's sense of fairness through God's eyes. One of the things that I really liked last week what Claire was talking about with when we sung everywhere I go I see you I want to see people I want to see things the way that God sees them not the way that I should see them but the way that God sees them so part of that is being fair you know is it fair do we have a sense of fairness so next how can we act justly so we talked about what justice is so how can we act justly so to act justly is to recognize that social systems are not always equitable Isn't that interesting? So, one of my favorite pictures to really describe what equality is versus equity is this. So when you think of equality, that's like, oh, I'm just gonna give everybody this particular thing and expect them to thrive. Is that gonna be helpful to people? Some people may need a little bit more help. So when you look at equity, you're providing the resources, giving them what they need to be successful, what, how they need to succeed. And so this right here, when you look at, you know, the equality part where there's somebody in a wheelchair, a regular bike is not going to work for them. Does that make sense? No. You've got, you know, the guy crunched up on the, on the little bike. That would be my boyfriend <laughs> on the little bitty bike. Um, <laughs> and then you got... The little, the, the little kid on the big bike, that's not helpful. So really, when you look at it, that equity, equity is really providing the resources that everybody needs to succeed. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Even like in the church, you think about, um, I love the way that, you know, we're looking even going on for like from our intentional churches. It's like, okay, we may take a particular topic, but we're not going to teach the same thing to our kids. They won't understand that. So what are the resources and everything that we need to provide to them so that they can succeed and be successful and learn what they need to learn? So equality, equity. Good? All right, was that a good explanation? Did that clear up? Because I always hear that a lot, like, okay, equality. No, we think, okay, we're supposed to just give everybody. No, that's not gonna help everybody. All right, so. We definitely live in a broken world, and inequitable unfairness and prejudice have made their way into this world structure, fortunately. So we have our policies, procedures, guidelines, processes, et cetera. Um, there are definitely certain people in this society that are um, at a disadvantage, and they need people who will intervene on their behalf. That's acting justly. Who in your community needs somebody to intervene on their behalf? Think about that. That's the people that typically don't have somebody intervening on their behalf. Who might that be? These are people, you know, when you think about their own biases or political views, you got all these things that they're thinking about that prevents them from intervening on other people's behalf. So what should we be doing? What should we be doing? All right, so how do we fill this requirement of acting justly? God expects us to act. So all of these things is action, something that we have to do, all right? So the first thing is realize that God expects us to act. We realize that there are people who need us to intervene on their behalf, and we might feel really bad about it. But that is not enough. A lot of times it's like, oh, man, I feel really, really bad about that. But what can I do? There may be something that you can do, not just sit around and let things happen. You know, I appreciate our church. We have all kinds of stuff going on through here around justice. You know, when you look at our um, SAS, you know, we've got our food pantry. You know, we got our we're we're doing things, you know, we're doing things on behalf of people and helping people, providing resources, different things like that. So um, God expects us to be in community with them and take action on their behalf. It is not enough to be sad about injustice or to hope that we'll eventually get around to doing something about it. He wants people who care enough to take action. So we don't just talk about it or share it on Facebook. Facebook is a, is a, another issue in itself. Um, but, you know, I mean, you get you hear about it. It's like, oh, it's not that real person. They're a totally different person. And, you know, Facebook versus real life. Talk a lot of stuff, but don't talk about it. All right. Not to punish the guilty when they deserve it. We didn't get what we deserve, remember? There's many a times where I could have deserved a whole lot of stuff. But because God sent his son Jesus to save me, that's my saving grace. All right. So when we see the pain in this world and act from compassion, whether we're feeding the hungry, stand against racism, uh, work to rescue people from poverty, not thinking about what people deserve but loving generously, We are first participating in the purpose of God. It is such a part of God, he receives it as if done by him or done to him. These are good works on earth that preach an eternal, loving reality, and that is God's justice. The other thing is realize that justice isn't based on personal virtues, which are those things that you want to fix within yourself. This is outwardly. We're acting justly. Matthew 5, 44 through 45 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God does not show preference to good people and allow bad people to suffer. He's not one-sided. He does things for all, for everybody. In an unfair world, we should be stabilizing force for helping to make the world a more equitable place for all. So let's move into loving mercy. But first, what is mercy? I always like to give definitions because there's somebody here that might not know what mercy is. So, what is mercy, mercy? It's showing compassion or forgiveness. That is one thing I feel like that is really my heart. <laughs> is to do that is to make sure i'm showing compassion and forgiveness so mercy is showing compassion or forgiveness towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm for example god showed mercy on us when he sacrificed his son christ jesus on the cross to pay for the price for our sins so mercy is also a sacrifice when you take stuff Just think about when you take stuff to the goodwill typically you're grabbing those things that "Mm, I may not wear that anymore or I may not like that Um, would you really be sacrificing anything if you were just taking those little things what if it's something that you really 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 like now that's a sacrifice I even look when I go through my closet every year (laughs) and uh, I'm going through stuff and it's like oh I don't want that anymore but yet Am I sacrificing, making a true sacrifice if I'm just giving those little things away? Hmm. Should I be sacrificing something that's more um, valuable or more than something that I really, really, really like? True sacrifice. So the same thing happens when we think about mercy. When we're nice instead of being grumpy to others, we imagine ourselves as merciful. But true mercy always has an element of sacrifice to it. It's the way we respond after something has been taken from us. It's how we react after we've been treated poorly. So the next thing is mercy looks beyond what someone deserves. When it's within our power or right to punish or harm someone, but we show compassion and forgiveness instead, We are demonstrating mercy. And while we'd all like to think of ourselves as merciful, it's not a trait that comes naturally. It takes work. We live in a culture that's obsessed with retaliation and punishment. Mercy looks beyond what someone deserves so that they can experience what could only be theirs through forgiveness, kindness, compassion, and generosity. So what is it to love mercy? So love mercy contains the Hebrew word hasad, which means loyal love or loving kindness. God desires for us to love mercy. It is interesting to note that God wants us to be drawn to mercy, having compassion for those in need. This is not always easy as we see so much human need. And because of that, it's easy for our hearts to harden and our minds to judge we judge a lot i have to check myself on that (laughs) i do so in these situations we need to hear god say as one of my people i hope you love mercy for that is what you have received god has given us mercy so we need to show uh, mercy to others Just as God's character is continually loyal and merciful to us, he calls us to live in this same way, both in our relationships with him and with others. It's important to note that to love mercy is impossible to do on our own. We desperately need the love of Christ living and breathing in us, through us, I call it oozing out of us, to truly understand what it is to love mercy. We could be constantly grateful for the gifts of God's mercy and love covering our lives every single day. So how do we fulfill the requirements of loving mercy? Let God do the vision while we practice mercy. Hmm. I heard some hums. Love mercy is trusting that unfair and unjust things that happen will be rectified since vengeance belongs to our god this doesn't mean we always sit and do nothing while unjust things happen but it does mean that mercy should be our go-to response not vengeance typically we get mad we get angry then we acting out but it should be the other way around well not necessarily the other way around but you know you've got to gotta have that in love um we are to love our enemies not get even with them loving mercy means trusting in god's perfect justice and mercy since he knows every situation and person many times better than we do we mercifully trust him to deal with people in the best way possible so long story short let god do it when it comes to that vengeance we got our part that we do, which is loving mercy. You love people, show compassion, those things. But let God do the other stuff. Let him take care of it. We do our part. He does his. Continue to show mercy even when none is shown to us. That's the next thing. When Jesus was being crucified, he stopped his followers from violently protecting him and asked God to forgive those who were crucifying him. Let me read that again. When Jesus was being crucified, he stopped his followers from violently protecting him and asked God to forgive those who were crucifying him. It is helpful to look at every human being we come in contact with as someone who needs mercy just as much as we do. Aren't all of us thankful that God doesn't deal with us according to our sins and what we deserve? Instead of focusing on what others deserve, our time is better spent being appreciative to God for his mercy towards us. All right, so walking humbly. So it is being humble? Not thinking of yourself as better than others. Hmm. It's a posture of lowering yourself and raising up others. And it's also a way of living. So, walking humbly. Walk humbly is our description of our heart's attitude towards God. How is your heart attitude toward God? So, the walk metaphor is used often in scripture to describe the overall direction one's life is heading, a relationship in the presence with God, and a life that fits into that path. So, walking humbly is a description of the heart's attitude towards God. God's people depend on him rather than their own abilities. Instead of taking pride in what we bring to God, we humbly recognize that no amount of personal sacrifice can replace a heart committed to justice and love. So to walk humbly with God is is the basis for loving mercy and acting justly because of what God has done. We fully invest in healing the world around us through mercy and justice. Cultivating our walk with with God provides the power and passion for us. It's ground everything else we do. So the requirements for fulfilling um, or how to walk humbly. So we acknowledge that God is just. We walk humbly with God when we acknowledge that he is just and that only through his mercy are we made whole. Humility is perhaps one of the hardest things for us to show. We live in a world that glorifies the strongest, the smartest, and the best. Humility, therefore, runs counter to everything we are taught to hold meaning. Yet Jesus gives the exact opposite example. Jesus displayed the ultimate act of humility in that. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross so how do we fulfill the requirements for walking humbly the power to walk humbly with god to love mercy and to act justly comes from the holy spirit we need the holy spirit in us god himself God invites me and you by his power to join his work and that's an awesome privilege that God gives us to walk with him. We are told to walk in humility, the constant recognition of the reality that we absolutely need God. Walking implies direction, intention, consistency, and activity. It isn't passive. So, acting justly, love mercy and walking humbly requires intentionality we have to be very intentional in this work even just our journey with you know just walking with god it has to be intentional we learn a lot of different practices things you know that that we do here and um just this journey you have to be intentional so there's intentional relationships human beings tend to react in certain sensible but often unhelpful ways So the Christian life caused us to move out of all these natural reactions and to live a life that's entirely different. It calls us to live a life where we honor our leaders, that we are patient with people, and do not react to wrongs committed against us. So intentional relationships is the way that we relate to others and deeply program into us. Our tendency is generally to attack or distance when relationships feel strained. we feel like we are on the outside we want to make alliances with others but people that make us feel better this goes back and forth in a whole lot of interesting and often unhelpful ways the bible gives us a whole different perspective we have to meet people where they are people have trouble moving forward in a variety of reasons but we we have to keep moving forward that's that's the key there relationships take work doesn't it At community, it is a process. When we enter into relationships, we need to embrace the lengthy process that working together involves. So then there is intentional thinking. That requires us to intentionally put scriptures in our hearts and renew our thinking. The devil deliberately fills our heart and minds with negative, so our focus will be on the negative. So I know one of the things that I do um, when it comes to intentional thinking, um, I pray. So if I feel that I'm thinking in a bad way or passing judgment on somebody, I literally stop and say, Tashna, okay, that's not right. So then I start praying. I pray for that person. That's my way of being intentional and my way of thinking is to pray for the person or pray for that situation. And so that's something that I do literally daily, really, it's daily. So you might want to have some kind of a practice that, you know, when you have those thoughts or things that come into your mind that kind of steers you away, like, okay, God, that wasn't right. Let me just pray for that person. Good practice. All right. So let me go ahead and sum this up. All right. The truth of God's word that we meditate on will reveal the truth of the life we choose to live. If we want to live a life of excellence, we must intentionally choose to think excellent thoughts. The real the results of good thinking are worth the effort. When we begin to change our thoughts, it eventually changes who we are, become, and the life we live. I want to live the life that Jesus died and gave me so these three are in perfect biblical balance when you talk about um acting justly love mercy and walking humbly. we find ourselves becoming imitators of christ when we're doing this who is filled with grace and truth and place the needs of others above his own in a troubled world we have the opportunity to bring peace by speaking and living out truth justice in our words and actions showing and giving thanks for his mercy and by living in humility before God and others. So there are some questions I want you to ponder. And so you have your little 40-day booklet there where um, the band is going to play some music, and during that time, I want you to think about these and start jotting down. So the first question is, what what does the Lord desire for you? What is that? The next thing, what gifts and abilities has he given you for that? How can you step outside your comfort zone to, other areas in the, to the other areas the Lord may be desiring for you? And then what are ways you can make Micah 6-8 an action in your life? So as I talked about earlier, all three, all three of these things are action and it's going to take intentionality. So... Um, while the band plays i want you to think about those questions and write them down it's good to jot down down these things what does the lord desire for you what gifts and abilities has he given you for that how can you step outside your comfort zone to other areas the lord may be desiring for you what are ways you can make micah 6:8 8 in action in your life
3: We bless our community, and we pray that we would leave this place in a way that reminds us to act justly.